Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with uh, Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for our weekly wrap. Uh, and all eyes will be on U.S. President Joe Biden because he's hosting Southeast Asian leaders in Washington, seeking to show his administration remains focused on the Indo-Pacific and the long-term challenge of China despite the current Ukraine crisis. It's a two-day summit with the 10 ASEAN members. That's begun at the White House with a nice dinner. In fact, they're wrapping it up right now, that dinner. I wonder what they're eating. What's being discussed? What more can we expect, especially from day two? And, you know, to close off these two-day summit, uh, on the line with me is Nicholas Fang, Managing Director, Black Dot and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Nicholas, good morning. How are you, man? Good. Friday morning, Elliot. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been a while. We've got a lot to catch up on. But first, let's talk about this ASEAN-US summit. He called for this. Uh, it was actually postponed from March. What's on the agenda? Right, so it was postponed from March because of some scheduling issues. And as you mentioned, you know, it's quite a landmark summit between the leaders of ASEAN and US, minus two ASEAN nations. So Rodrigo Duterte from the Philippines, and of course the Myanmar military leaders are not there. The Philippines obviously having just gone through their election over the weekend. But it's still significant because, you know, the summit commemorates 45 years of U.S.-ASEAN relationships. And it comes at a time where obviously there's a lot of things happening around the world. In fact, some observers have said that the significance of the summit is the fact that it's being held now. You know, we've got the Ukraine war going mm-hmm. on. You've got, you know, all sorts of issues happening around the world. And yet President Biden has taken time to invite all the leaders to the U.S. to Washington and, and hosting them at the White House. So it is a strong signal of the U.S. commitment to Southeast Asia. Now, you mentioned the question, what can we expect to come out from it? So I think most observers don't necessarily expect a lot of tangible outcomes. Issues that are likely to be discussed, of course, security, the instability coming out of Europe, the implications for Asia and the U.S. position on that. And I think the U.S. is quite keen to, to keep shoring up support for Ukraine. So I'm yeah. sure that President Biden will be talking to the ASEAN leaders to see where they stand in terms of support for Ukraine. But at the same time, you know, the economic concerns are never far from people's minds. And I think people want to see greater commitment from the U.S. in this region. And the economy is a very strong way to show that. So President Biden has sort of announced Indo-Pacific economic framework at last year's East Asia Summit. Now, I think a lot of ASEAN leaders would like to see more details about this, especially when it comes to trade, supply chains, clean energy, anything that sort of affects the environment. But there is a bit of pessimism because the framework that was sort of announced doesn't entail a lot of information about market access bilaterally between Mm. the US and ASEAN, which is what a lot of economies are looking forward to in this region. So I think that's something we'll definitely keep a lookout for tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, we did quite a bit of analysis leading up to the presidential elections and, of course, Joe Biden winning those elections. And I remember one of the things you constantly brought up was that his agenda was definitely going to be turned to Southeast Asia. One of the factors leading to that is to sort of prevent China's over-influence of our region. What do you think he is concerned about most with regard to China and what he'll be trying to persuade ASEAN leaders? Obviously, investment is going to be one of them. Yeah, for sure. I don't think you need to be too too concerned. I think most people will admit that there is an interest of the U.S. to sort of balance out the balance of power in Asia with China and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So three days ago, China told Cambodia, which is the rotating chair of ASEAN, 
that it's time to have a more Asian-centric way of going forward. And President Xi, I think, advised ASEAN leaders to resist any attempts to sow discord in the region, which is usually code words uh, to to say that, you know, let's not fall prey to yeah. too much U.S. influence. So you can yeah. see that both sides are kind of jockeying for influence over Southeast Asia. And, you know, of the 10 ASEAN nations added up together and formed the world's seventh largest economy. It's not a small market. Definitely has a lot of interest and benefits, you know, economically speaking for major powers. But I think your point is, is correct, right? There's a certain interest of maintaining a balance of influence in this region. Investment, definitely one way. And of course, multilateral diplomatic engagement, as we are seeing in the White House with President Biden and the ASEAN leaders as well. Yeah. Actually, this is a very broad question. Uh, what more can be done? And it's usually a question you ask whenever you have all these world leaders in a room. Okay, you have these discussions, but really, what more can be done? On two topics, one, uh, the turmoil in Myanmar. I mean, they're not there at the summit. What more can be done? Well, that's a tricky question because from two points of view, obviously, if you if you talk about the involvement of a major power like the US or even China in another country's internal affairs, I think that's always a little bit sensitive. Yeah. But at the same time, from the ASEAN perspective, ASEAN is based on neutrality, non-interference in internal issues. I think those are core tenets that have been sort of enshrined in the ASEAN constitution. So asking ASEAN nations to intervene directly in domestic situation in Myanmar is a little bit tricky. I think the ASEAN nations, Singapore in particular, have come out very strongly to condemn violence and any sort of human rights abuses and yeah. things like that. Uh, and I think when you come from an ASEAN perspective, that's about as good as it gets. You're not going to see you know, direct intervention, people going in and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that it has to be the case. The ASEAN way, as it were, has quite often prevailed over time in this region. It's come under criticism for sure because yeah. it, you know, it takes a lot of effort to get anything concrete done. But sort of quiet, consistent pressure of the government of Myanmar, for example, hopefully will lead to some positive outcomes sooner rather than later. No, it's very true. You say it is a sensitive issue. You know, it's like the elephant in the room. <laughs> the other mm. one in the room would be the Russia-Ukraine war. I mean, it's one thing to talk about solving that war. On the business side of things, it's trying to solve the supply chain disruptions and then you have the G20 summit where I believe Indonesia has invited Russia. President Jokowi is there as well. I mean, so this is going to be quite a tricky topic to approach. It is, and I think it underscores one of the key challenges of multilateral diplomacy, right? Every country has different relationships with different partners. So to call for all ASEAN countries to say adopt a common stance with Russia, different countries have obviously different ties, economic, diplomatic, security, you know, mm. with a country like Russia. Yeah. So to say everybody come together and let's do exactly the same thing and say exactly the same thing is a bit untenable. If you look at the countries in Southeast Asia who have spoken out very strongly against the invasion in Ukraine, you've got Singapore and not too many else. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that sort of underscores the differences in relationships and in, in principles and positions of the different countries. And that's often been the criticism or or maybe just observation about ASEAN. You've got 10 countries that are not all linked by land borders that have very different stages of economic growth and development and very different positions on the global stage. So to say that, hey, let's all do it the ASEAN way or let's get ASEAN to do everything together or to do something together is, is much harder than it sounds. 
but you know, once coming full circle, coming back, I think the fact that the U.S. has often pointed uh, to the ASEAN centrality, the, the importance of ASEAN in its strategy in Asia, it gives all of us in this region a little bit more leverage in terms of engaging with the U.S. And I think that's one of the reasons why Singapore has always been a very strong proponent of ASEAN and of putting ASEAN at the centre of a lot of these international uh, negotiations and interactions. If we could all do it together, you know, in one united way, we probably would have beaten COVID a lot faster as well. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I mean, after day two, what are you expecting in terms of where do we go from here? I mean, surely it would help the US to understand the region better, but there's still more work that needs to be done. I think definitely. I think there's there's a lot of practical things that need to be sort of uh, hammered out from the economic point of view. You mentioned supply chain earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to some U.S. friends just a couple of days ago, and I think the COVID situation in China, as we're seeing, of course, very serious for them domestically and from a health perspective, but for sure have a lot of impacts on supply chain. I think if we try to order anything from China right now, you know, even small items, it's going to take a much longer time because of the lockdown because of all the disruptions happening internally for China yeah. for the stuff to be delivered. And that's going to be amplified on a macro scale for a lot of countries in this region. So I think working together to, to try to overcome these challenges, Singapore obviously is a major international transshipment port and working with supply chain players throughout the region hopefully to overcome some of the potential economic impact from, from all these disruptions, that's going to be a key focus. But when it comes to the U.S., you know, it's a common call by diplomats, by observers uh, in Singapore and the region to say that hey, we want the U.S. to do more in Southeast Asia. Uh, I think it will be very interesting to see post the second day of the summit, which will be today, Singapore time, and obviously a bit later for the U.S., what are they going to say in terms of you know extended commitment? Bilaterally with Singapore, they've got very strong relations, defense, militarily. But what more will they do to, as you sort of alluded to earlier, counter the economic and investment influence yeah. that China has? Right? Yeah. China puts in a lot of money to a yeah. lot of countries in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So I think looking at some tangible outcomes rather than, as you were saying at the start, having a nice dinner, taking the, the nice photos with all shaking hands kind of thing. What will we see in terms of concrete sort of commitment, agreements, whether it's militarily, whether it's economically or, or even just diplomatically? When is the next meeting going to be? Is there yeah. going to be more major summits? We know that President Biden is coming to the Asia, to Japan and Korea soon. So it'll be interesting to see how he keeps fleshing out his Asia strategy in that way. Yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room if someone were to just say, yeah, but you talk about investment, money talks what? And then it'll get awkward. (laughs) I've been speaking with Nicholas Fung, Managing Director, Black Dot, and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Nicholas, really appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Take it easy. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.